Well, as we just heard in the gospel, um, Jesus seems to dislike the Jewish authorities. And some say that this means that Jesus disliked organized religion, including something as highly organized and structured as the Catholic Church, right? But nothing could be farther from the truth. Jesus was a faithful Jew who participated in all the Jewish rituals and kept all the Jewish laws better than anyone else ever could. True, though, he dislikes hypocritical religious leaders who seek power for their own benefit. But he does respect their offices. That's why he once said, Do and observe all things whatsoever they, meaning the Jewish religious leaders, tell you, but do not follow their example, because they don't practice what they preach. But we are mistaken if we think that Jesus meant to leave us a church that's only a vague kind of collection of believers in Jesus and the Bible. Jesus meant to, and he did, leave us a church that is organized and endowed with his own authority. And that church is the Catholic Church. And today I want to talk about the sacrament of holy orders. It's a very important part of the Catholic Church. It's the part that extends Christ's work through time and across the whole globe. As the Catechism put it, Holy Orders is the sacrament through which the mission entrusted by Christ to the apostles continues to be exercised in the church until the end of time. Thus, it is the sacrament of apostolic ministry. It includes three degrees. Episcopate, meaning bishops, presbyterate, meaning priests, and diaconate, meaning deacons. Since the beginning, the ordained ministry has been conferred uh, through the sacrament of holy orders in these three degrees, that of bishops, priests, and deacons. So this means that a man could, in theory, receive the sacrament or celebrate the sacrament of holy orders three times. The first time, he would be ordained a deacon. The second time, he would be ordained a priest. The third time, a bishop. These three degrees of the one sacrament of holy orders are an essential part of the structure of the church. St. Ignatius of Antioch once even wrote in the second century, so we're talking like, you know, like 110 AD, way back, right? He even said this, without the bishop, priests, and deacons, one cannot speak of the church. So, holy orders, extremely important. So, I'm going to talk now in in turn about each of these three degrees of holy orders, beginning with the bishop. So what do we know about bishops? Well, a bishop has the fullness of the sacrament of holy orders. Ordination, which means receiving the sacrament of holy orders, makes him the visible leader of a particular church, which means a diocese. And a diocese, by the way, just so everyone understands, it's sort of like a state in our country. It's a geographic territory with boundaries, right? It's not a perfect analogy, but if a state's ruled by a governor, a diocese is ruled by a bishop. A diocese is entrusted to a bishop's care by the pope. Bishop Kagan, for example, was ordained as a bishop 
and then assigned to oversee the western half of North Dakota, uh, which is the Diocese of Bismarck, which is where we are. And as successors of the apostles, though, bishops also have more responsibility than even that. They share in the responsibility for the whole church. This means, for example, that Bishop Kagan, his main concern is for us in western North Dakota, in the Diocese of Bismarck. But he also has some concern, along with all the other bishops of the whole world and the Pope, for the whole world. It's a lot of weight on the bishop's shoulders, right? This is similar to how the apostles met and discussed things that would affect the whole Catholic world, but also were sent out individually to distant places to care for the people there, right? We see this right in Scripture. And as kind of almost an aside, I should mention, the Pope isn't like some other degree of holy orders higher than a bishop. He is a bishop among bishops. He just happens to be the bishop of the Diocese of Rome, which is an office that has additional responsibilities and authority. We see this again in Scripture right there. St. Peter, our first pope, he was one of the apostles, one among equals. But in John 21, we see, as in other places, but we see it there, Jesus giving him extra authority to lead the college, we say, of apostles, of bishops. And in their ordination as bishops, Jesus gives men certain powers. They continue to do all the things that deacons and priests do, but bishops are the only ones who can celebrate the sacrament of holy orders. Only bishops, in other words, can ordain other men as deacons, priests, or bishops. Without bishops, we don't have deacons or priests. They are also the ordinary ministers of confirmation, but that one sometimes is delegated to priests as well. And speaking of that, what about priests? Well, priests are ordained, they celebrate, they receive the sacrament of holy orders, so that they can be the bishop's co-workers. While the bishop has charge of the whole diocese, he can't personally minister to the needs of everyone. It's just too big of a task. So the priests assist him in various ways. Most commonly, this means priests are assigned to a parish. Now, if a diocese, what is a parish? Whoops, what is a parish? It's not just this building, right? If a diocese is like a state, a parish is like a county. In fact, you go down to Louisiana, they call their counties parishes, right? Um, it's a geographic territory with boundaries, and it is a part of a diocese. A priest whom the bishop places in charge of a parish is called its pastor. It's a very technical term. I know our Protestant brothers and sisters in, in town use it as like a generic term, you know, for a, a minister. But in the Catholic world, pastor has a very specific term. It means a man in charge, a priest in charge of a parish, a geographic territory. So I often point out, I am a priest, but my job right now is pastor of these parishes. Other priests may have jobs other than pastor, but the truth is they all assist the bishops in various ways. And when a man is ordained to the priesthood, as when a man is ordained as a bishop, God gives him certain authority and powers that are then his forever. He has the authority to forgive sins in Jesus' name. 
He can celebrate the anointing of the sick. He can, in certain circumstances, celebrate confirmation, though that's not the norm. Most importantly, though, most importantly, this is what gives a priest his identity. It is the most important, should be, the most important thing in a priest's life. The power to celebrate the Mass, right? To take bread and wine, speaking and acting in the person of Jesus Christ, saying the words of consecration, this is my body, this is the chalice of my blood, and transubstantiate bread and wine into Jesus himself in Holy Communion. Without the priest, we would not have the Holy Eucharist. His real presence would not be in the world without priests. And without the Holy Eucharist, as I said in my sermon on that sacrament a while back, we would not have the church. These powers are given so that Jesus can serve the world through his priests. Priests, of course, in addition to this, are also given authority by their bishops to teach the faith to preach, as I'm trying to do right now, and to uh, govern in various ways. Like marriage, priesthood is a total gift of self to another. In the case of the priest, though, it's an offering of his life more directly to God so that the Lord can work through him as he sees fit. And as a priest, I've got to say, you know, I am just in awe of what God does through me, especially at Mass, especially in the confessional. It's amazing to see how God has used my words, imperfect as I am, right, you know, and actions, and, and even my mere presence at times, to lead others to Him in some way. The priesthood is it's a humbling life, it's a challenging life, but it is an amazing life as well. I just pray that more young men in our parish will be open to discern if God is calling them to the priesthood. As Jesus said, the harvest is abundant, but laborers are few. More people will come to know Jesus and to receive his grace through the sacraments if there are more priests, especially more faithful priests, right? Humble and faithful priests in the world. So please pray for more priests and pray for us who are already priests that we would be more humble and more holy. Finally now, deacons. Deacons are ordained for service in the church. As the Catechism explains, they do not receive the ministerial priesthood, but ordination confers on them important functions in the ministry of the word, divine worship, pastoral governance, and the service of charity, tasks which they must carry out under the pastoral authority of their bishop. So this means that deacons work, um, usually in parishes, to help the bishops and priests by occasionally preaching homilies, by celebrating baptisms, weddings, or funerals. They cannot offer mass because they're not priests, but they can lead, they can often lead communion services and preach at those communion services. Um, they are ordinary ministers of Holy Communion, unlike a layperson who's just kind of deputized as an extraordinary minister, right? They also often teach in religious education programs, or not always. Um, they often, though, and I, I think deacons, they see this as, as some of the most rewarding work they do. They minister to the sick, to the homebound, and even to those in prisons. Uh, they do good work in the church. 
And I should point out, there are two types of deacons. Permanent deacons. These are men who are ordained as deacons and who do not intend to go on to the priesthood. Um, There are a lot of permanent deacons in our diocese, uh, and they do awesome work in their parishes. These deacons can be married, so long as they're married before their ordination. And they, um, there are also then transitional deacons, would be the other kind of deacon. These are not normally married before their ordination, because these are men preparing for the priesthood. So about a year before my ordination as a priest, I was ordained a deacon. Okay, so in all three of these cases, how, does, how do we celebrate the sacrament of holy orders? Well, in all three cases, the sacrament of holy orders is conferred by a bishop laying hands on a baptized man, followed by a prayer of consecration, asking God to grant the man the graces of the Holy Spirit required for his ministry. Now, we see this in scripture, that laying on of hands, it's described in there. An ordination imprints an indelible character, a permanent character. This means a priest, well, priest, deacon, or bishop can never be unordained, right? It's impossible. It is possible, though, for a member of the clergy to be laicized. You may have heard that term in the news or something. This means that someone who was ordained is returned to the state of a layperson. It's always unfortunate when that happens because it usually means The man has done something that makes him unfit for ministry. Or it means he's decided he doesn't want to be anymore what he actually is. A laicized clergyman no longer has authority from his bishop to celebrate mass, to hear confessions, to preach, to present himself as a minister, and so on. But deep down in his soul, he's still a member of the clergy. It's like baptism. You can't undo it. Now, the church, of course, confers uh, baptism, or excuse me, the sacrament of holy orders only on baptized men and only after years of preparation and discernment. The church is now extremely careful about which men it ordains. And the bishop alone has the responsibility in consultation with the people that help him out, like the vocation director and so on, and seminary faculty, to discern who should be advanced to holy orders. Um, It's important to note that the people, while you really should recommend people, recommend men, uh, you should consider uh, priesthood, you should consider diaconate, but they don't elect them. The people don't hire them. This is more like marriage than it is a job, right? And in the Roman Catholic Church, the priesthood is normally conferred on candidates who are ready to embrace celibacy freely and who publicly manifest their intention of staying celibate for the love of God's kingdom and the service of men. So normally, not always, not essentially, but normally in the Roman Catholic Church, priests do not get married. And this is done in imitation of Jesus Christ himself, who never married. And the apostolic tradition, uh, also in the scriptures, they also show a great respect for celibacy for the sake of the kingdom of God. As I said at the beginning, It's common for people to dislike the Catholic Church because it has a long history and a complicated kind of structure to it. It's got bishops and priests and deacons and dioceses and on and on. But the truth is, Jesus gave us more than a vague notion of a church. He gave us the Catholic Church, 
a church that exists in the world with a visible structure, a structure that he himself dictated, a structure which very much fulfills the structure of Old Testament Judaism. When we say in the creed that we believe in an apostolic church, we mean it. Catholic bishops are real successors of the apostles. Catholic priests are co-workers of those bishops assisted by the work of deacons. The sacrament of holy orders is the means that Jesus has given us to empower men to continue his work in the world. Scripture, tradition, documented history, they all reveal this has always been the case. So let's pray for the church that she might be blessed through many humble and just as importantly, holy bishops, priests, and deacons. Amen.